Welcome to Fear the Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for Fear the Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season one, episode three, entitled The Dog. El Perro. Uh, I, I have some questions about the title of this episode. Do you? But... Because I thought it was pretty obvious. There was a dog. There is one obvious reference, yes. The dog. Uh, the dog himself, or herself, whatever that thing is. Uh... There's also this metaphor going around in this series about Nick or nature or all of the above being the dog that I don't totally understand. Do you want to talk about that up front? Or, I I'm, mean, we can really talk about it whenever. But. So what are you referring to when you're saying Nick is the dog, just to catch people up? So in episode one, when he's in the hospital, he's mm-hmm. talking with this nurse, and she they're talking about something about sickness and drugs and nature, and she at some point says that like you can't fight nature – Nature's like a dog or something like that. And then he says, so I'm the dog? Mm. When, which I immediately said, no, she just said nature was a dog. Right. Uh, but okay, if you want to be the dog, I guess you can. And then in this episode, now we're seeing a dog killed. We're seeing so dogs can't be fought by zombies. Dogs can be fought, yes. But <laughs> zombies are also part of nature, a force of nature. So like, what the fuck am I supposed to think? Well, I, I don't get it. If they're going for really symbologic purity mm-hmm. then i feel like nick will uh even though he's kind of like have this kind of callous disregard for everybody he's going to sober up by the season's end and do something drastic that'll get himself killed maybe in defense of people like this dog did okay but i also don't i'm with you i don't understand the metaphor enough at this point three episodes in to say like oh i'll be pissed if he doesn't die or anything like that yeah so yeah. It's definitely, I, th- I mean, I didn't expect in episode one that to be some kind of season statement. Mm-hmm. But now when you got an episode called The Dog and a dog it is killed. obviously is, yeah. You would think. You would think, sure. Yeah. And it could be interesting. I just don't get it yet. So what do you think of the episode after a couple of rewatches? Uh, there was only one rewatch for me. Okay. I've seen it twice now. Um, I I found some of the things a little more annoying and some of the things a little less annoying. Hmm. Um, I I still find Travis incredibly like. Yes, Travis is just going off a fucking cliff for me, sure. man. Like I I was kind of on board with him in episode one and stuff, and episode two when he's going to get his kid and he like he's trying to help people. Like mm-hmm. that's cool, that's yeah. cool, but you can't be so oblivious, man. Yeah, I mean I don't know about Travis because he's. Uh... It's there are really people in the world that are unsuited for like crises to happen, and the more severe the crisis, sure. the more unsuitable they are. I'm probably one of them. I don't. Sure, know. you could be. Maybe you're a Travis. You don't know until the crisis happens, right? Uh, but the thing is, is that I don't know if the show understands that because, like, it could be setting up this like clear divide that this guy's weak. Uh, you know, as uh, as Barbershop says, he's Fabio. Yeah. His wife says, you know, doing something that he could be necessary to protect his larger family could break him. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't get any respect. <laughs> no. But on the other hand, the show in the last three weeks has gone kind of back and forth about whether he is heads up and whether he is, you know, a real go-getter and do things that need to be done kind of guy or whether he's, like, completely in, you know, ostrich in the sand kind of guy. Yeah. So if I... 
had more faith in the show being able to keep a consistent characterization, I'd be able to say, well, we're just watching the tragedy of a good man being destroyed by this world. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. And he's, you know, there's still a lot of time for him to get with the program. But there's still, you know, that's, I'll say that this is my favorite episode of the three. Hmm. And there's a lot of stuff I'm liking. And the only thing I really don't like is, you know, Travis. Uh, his whole reaction to things, some of the stuff that Madison was trying to pull, you know, forcing everybody to sit down and play Monopoly, uh, refusing to talk the truth <laughs> to your 17-year-old daughter. I don't I don't know why you don't like the Monopoly stuff. Well, first of all, Monopoly is the worst game the Western civilization has ever created. It's probably true, however... I mean, I'll put it up against, like, I'd rather play Hungry Hungry Hippos with three-year-olds than play Monopoly. Every family has played it. I guarantee that. <sighs> That's and probably it, it kind true. of becomes a staple within... Certain families. Like, I know my family used to play it all the time. Really? Yeah, we'd sit down, we'd play a, a long-ass game of Monopoly. Like That's the only game, game there is. There are long-ass yeah. games of Monopoly. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and most people create house rules to make it longer against uh-huh. all Free reason parking. and logic. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, well, there's lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, so you're, you'd put it, like, kind of middle of the road. I'm, like... T- I thought two. Dog. I thought number two was slightly better. Um, uh, number see, three is second, favorite. and then the the pilot is probably the worst. Whew, lots of lots of differing opinions on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, shall we get started? Yeah, let's do it. So Chris is watching the riot from the barbershop, and it's in full swing. There's cars being flipped over. There's windows being broken. There's people in masks burning shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, then a hoodie zombie just scares the shit out of him. Yeah. And Travis insists he stays away from the window, and Chris ignores him, and Travis is like, oh, what are you going to do? Meanwhile, Madison's at home where the power... Wait, wait, wait. Oh. My, my favorite part of this scene, it, maybe it's this scene, is it... Do they have a little discussion here between the barber and Not Travis? Yet. Not yet. See, they okay. intercut this stuff. And yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, going to go yeah. with the cuts. Okay. I'm going to go with the cuts instead of. I will say that looking at zombies from little openings in walls or doors never is not creepy on the show. <laughs> they should do it uh-huh. way more. Yeah, we totally have an email about this guy, but okay. we'll save it. This guy. This guy. Yeah. Uh, this girl, Madison, this woman, rather. Madison is at home where the power's still off. There's creepy sounds outside, which is interesting. I don't know if it's a stereo deal or what, but when we were listen- watching it in the studio uh, for our live watch, I actually thought it was something happening in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, creepy. wait, this- yeah, what's going on here? Um, Nick is crushing his pills to snort them, which kind of horrifies his mother, which I understand. Yeah. Uh, but he – it's funny because he says, "I look, who's the expert? You're the expert at getting addicted, man. Uh-huh. I don't think that makes you an expert at unaddicting. Not, yeah, not that no. your mother is, but sure. like, you know. Yeah, you're a, you're good at staying high all the time. Like, Evil, evil Knievel wants my keys mm-hmm. to run to the corner store <laughs> and says, hey, man, I'm the expert. No, you're the expert. If I wanted to jump Snake Canyon, I still wouldn't put you behind the wheel because you fucked that up. Like you're the expert at jumping over thirty buses and breaking every bone in your body. I, uh-huh. I'm I'm actually more qualified for you than you to safely drive down the street. To be fair to evil to Mister Knievel, uh, I do believe he made more than one successful jump in his <laughs> sure. life. So I hate this. You can't hold the one mistake against him, right? Like like kids nowadays. Mm-hmm. I speak as a thirty nine year old man. Mm. They understand like evil Knievel was a thing. Oh, yeah. He's like a real-life superhero back in the day. I watched that Snake Canyon Gorge jump live, and it nice. was, I was so disappointed he pulled the shoot. 
<laughs> you know, you you make the jump. You go you, down with the you ship. You make the right? jump or you die, Knievel. You don't pull the the, the parachute yeah. before you even leave the ramp. Goddamn. Yeah. Anyway, he's the expert. Uh, he is distressed that there's not enough drugs to go around because I, again, I feel like he's. I don't. You know, I keep saying every time he does something irrational, he's an addict. So sure. And I don't know whether this is part of that, or he just thinks this good tr- time is going to keep going forever, and he doesn't like you know they're going to keep finding more drugs. Or I, I'm not sure where his mind is at. Yeah, I'm with you. And he's... I don't, you know, when you say when where the mind of an addict is, you're talking about two things. You're talking about the drug, and you're talking about the person. So yeah, yeah. The I mean, you can see some a lot of that person coming out in these Monopoly scenes, right? Sure. Like even with Alicia, who. I don't particularly like, but um, you can see her kind of like this family is coming together. You can see them kind of before Travis got in the mix. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe, I I don't know, after their father died. Yeah. Not sure. Uh, Yeah, there's a couple things I want to point some some subtle points that I've picked up about this family. And I want to run by to see if I got a, a good handle on that. Uh, his mom says, well, there isn't going to be an easy street of drugs out in the desert. So you're going to end up doing some howling at the moon. Yeah. And Nick responds by essentially saying, well, yeah, Travis ain't coming back. He's dead. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, meanwhile, at the barbershop, mm-hmm. uh, Chris wants his old family, including his dad and his mom, to just go and leave Madison. Uh, rioters break in the shop next door. The barber just wants people to leave his shit alone, quit touching his shit, quit disrespecting his comb collection, yep. quit talking shit about <laughs> it. Uh, the rioters set up shop next door and then set it on fire, huh. and the walls start bubbling and getting hot, so it's time to go. Uh, the barber pointedly says, Team Travis needs to go beat feet in the opposite direction that his family does. Yeah, yeah, so that's one of the lines that I love. There, there are a couple things that I, I really like. I like the tension that's being set up between... Chris's uh, Chris as his child, his like biological child, yes, and then Alicia and Nick as his stepchildren. Um, or I, I don't, I don't know that Maddie and Travis well, are actually married, but it's clear they want to be a family here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm just gonna call them stepchildren. Yeah, regardless. Um, that tension is really cool, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to cause a lot of problems in the future. There are a couple of things with Travis that are the going to fact cause problems. That, the fact that we found out that most likely they're not married mm, somehow makes us more interesting. Like, if he was married to Madison, then that too. I think there's open Maybe skepticism he has more responsibility with both it. children about what this is all about. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And Chris pulling him one direction, his uh, new family pulling him the other direction. Right. I think it's interesting. The other thing that I really like is this we run in different directions, which I don't know if that's. A nod at that, but uh, this guy clearly wants nothing to do with Travis, right? Sure. He, I, I think he kind of spies what kind of guy Travis is from yeah. the start. He sniffed out the Fabile. Yeah, and he's like, you or know. the Beal, that's it. The, the good guys always get killed in mm-hmm. this situation, so I'm going to go the opposite direction. You be the bait. Uh, I thought that the at this point, like when the rioting was, you know, there's a lot of jokes made about the riot on the L.A. streets last episode. Sure. I think that darkness, smoke, and fire did a huge benefit to this scene because I thought this riot scene was fairly well staged. Yeah, and, and I looked it was pretty awesome. good. Like it, it looked big and kind of chaotic and, and dangerous in a way that the other riots did not. Yeah, I felt like they were just getting started yeah. um, during the daytime, and then when it transfer, uh, when it turned into night, uh, things got like really off the hook. And I, like, I was thinking about it. You go out this door, right? Mm-hmm. 
you know there are zombies out there. Well, okay, maybe you don't, but we as an audience do. Well, you know that there are maniacs that are not dropping the bullets and, like, if it's a new drug or whatever. Exactly. It's, it's, it's an unknown quantity. Yeah, and then there are actual rioters, and I can imagine it would be super difficult to tell who's who oh, yeah. in this panic, right? You've got cops being eaten in the streets by walkers. You've got uh, people smashing Molotov cocktails into cars. Sure. That seems like so dangerous. When you're watching it on TV, it's like, oh, yeah, just run in that direction because that's where your car is. But, like, I'm trying to put myself in that situation. Holy shit. Yeah, it's super chaotic. Like, getting through a crowd is, you know, especially if you're not particularly tall, it's like you can't even see over people. How do you even know you're heading to a safe direction? Yeah. So back at home, Madison decides to get out again, what I've described as the worst board game of all time, to while away four to six hours, mm-hmm. possibly longer if you do the free parking modification and, and uh, you know, <laughs> screw up the mortgaging rules. Nick immediately lands on jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect your neighbor's oxy. But, but don't, like, I thought this was a missed <laughs> opportunity. Like, in a real, in, in, do I believe what I know of Madison in real life that she would actually bust out Monopoly or would she be looking for a radio, like a battery-powered radio, uh, you know, checking cell phones? Would they just be talking yeah. about the way they're de- – the, this crazy day and assimilating the information? Like, I get that maybe you would do this over the context of playing a board game as a strategy – but to be mm-hmm. as into the game as they all just dis- mutually decided and they didn't talk about anything yeah, so was that's... very unnatural to me. And one of the problems I continue to have to show, like these – I don't think that this is how a person like Madison would react to this, nor Nick. Okay. It's it's a little bit weird. I, I will grant you that. I'm trying to get in the heads of all of these characters because they're in very different places, right? Like, it's a dangerous – Dangerous alley to go I, down. I know. You're running right into a fiery riot, my friend. Uh, Madison and Nick have both seen some shit. They've, they've yes. seen a man run over. Uh, Madison, at this point, has killed the principal. Yes. Um, In spectacular she, fashion. It wasn't like yeah. I just threw him off a cliff. She beat his head yeah. to, to <laughs> baby food with uh-huh. a fire extinguisher. So she knows what's up. Nick knows what's up. Alicia doesn't really know anything, and they're they're both in on this plan to kind of keep the information from her. Nick Nick That's is reluctantly stupid. in on the plan. He's like, we should tell her everything. Alicia needs, needs to be to about know. eleven for this to for for me to believe that this is what you would do. I, I kind of agree. Yeah, she's a little too old. If she's seventeen, she might be a little too old. Maybe she should know this stuff. But but I can at least see what the motivation is there yeah. for Maddie. No, I, I again, it's always passing. Like to do, and again, and Nick Ma- is just deferring to her, right? He doesn't want to blow this situation up by just straight up telling her. But that seems like to be his jam. And again, yeah, it does. <laughs> like later on in the episode when he just he matter of factly says uh-huh. they're dead, that rang true to his character. Madison, there's something steely beneath her that I feel like that in this kind of crisis situation she wouldn't try to do this bullshit. Oh, I need to protect my almost adult daughter from finding out the world is going to shit. Yeah. Yeah, I can't I can't tell exactly why. And she's also not. Alicia, if she's really the smartest person that we're supposed to see in the series, wouldn't she be calling bullshit instead mm-hmm. of making, you know, crypto communist remarks about the fundamental basics of monopoly? It's like <laughs> come on. I yeah, like she would you... protest like you're treating me you guys know well, dish. What do you guys know that you're not telling me? Yeah. Uh that would be infinitely more interesting than their shtick about the monopoly, in my opinion. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, Team Barbershop's idea of going separate 
from Team Travis is quickly undone and thrown out the window as his wife gets her foot just crushed under some collapsing scaffolding because uh, riot troops have shown up and they're using the hose on people. And it's just, you know, Travis quicks, uh, thinks quickly, scoops her up, piles everybody in the back of his truck, which has miraculously escaped being flipped over and set on fire as every yeah. other vehicle has. And they high tail it to the nearest hospital, but not before destroying a whole line of bikes. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, he was just trying. He's just going along with the flow. It's and someone like does shout, vehicles, "Hey, that's my bike!" Do they really? Yeah, like it's, <laughs> it's kind of under the the soundtrack there. But yeah, that guy's a badass. He's just sitting. I just <laughs> I imagine this guy. He's just sitting there in his leathers, his arms crossed, just just yeah. mean mugging everybody. Who approaches his bike. Nope, not flipping. This is the easiest vehicle on the block. <laughs> To flip and or set on fire. <laughs> I'm not going to do I it. fucking dare you. Yeah. But why wouldn't he get out of there? He just, he lives for this, right? It's sport. Yeah, he lives for it. Yeah. And then Travis comes with his beater truck and just un- <laughs> flips over his apple cart. And drives off. Yeah. That must be hard to take. Uh, Nick is making Probably it rain. Probably dooming that guy to death, by the way. Oh, yeah. Now that he can't get out of there. You're not walking out of that riot. No. Maybe you could ride out that riot. Uh, Nick is making it rain on boardwalk. As shots are fired in and around, well, not in, not yet, but around, that's a minor spoiler for later in the episode. Uh, Shots are fired around the Clark household. Uh, And Alicia mentions that all this waiting for absent fathers to return is giving her a major case of deja vu. This is a big clue about the origins of this family. Did their father never make it home because he got ran over by a drunk driver? We know that he's dead. We know, yep. I'm not sure. Like, is this more, is it, is this... More tragic or nefarious? I feel like it's more tragic. Yeah. I don't think, like, their father was Walter White or anything. Okay, okay. I don't know, because there's I, I've got more evidence in the Travis is secretly an asshole, a, a, a perhaps recovered asshole hmm. uh, theory that I, that I espoused last week. Travis killed their father? <laughs> yes. And then he swooped in you, on their mother? You, you cracked the code. <laughs> uh Team Travis, with barbershop in tow, is driving past a hospital, and it's completely overrun. There's a SWAT team engaging a zombie wearing nothing but a surgical gown as the our heroes just roll on past. And barbershop has kind of like a real chip on his shoulder. He really wants nothing to do with this, you owe me, and we're even, and we're square. But he does request Travis to take him home where he can call his cousin. And there's a really cool super... Super cool visual where the lights of L.A. just kind of turn out grid by grid. Uh, yeah. And we kind of it's it's kind of a metaphor for the entire civilization collapsing block by block. Seems like it slowly and and intermittently. Right. Yeah. Uh, what would you think of this hospital thing? What about it? Like, how much do the cops know at this point? Because they're clearly not aiming for the head. They take like 15 shots to to take down this one walker. Right. So I would say that this is, from what I can tell in this episode, that there seems to be a lot of people, this is a top-down flow of information, that the higher you go in the government, the more they know about the zombies, and they've known for a long time, mm-hmm. but there hasn't been enough infor- the time for the information to disseminate to the civilian police. But it seems like the military, by the time they show up at the end, have... Oh, yeah know a lot more about it. Now, some of that information appears to be wrong, which we'll discuss in a bit. But yeah, I feel like at this point, the LA police are just dealing with this for the last day or two. Hmm. Okay. So. Yeah. I mean, there have been actual news reports and stuff on, on these people not going down until they get headshotted. 
Oh, has it been news reports or was that like a live leak? Well, it was picked up. Wasn't it on TV at one point? Was everybody watching on TV? I could have sworn it was on TV, not just on like Twitter or something. Hmm. I thought it was on TV was the person attacking the cops unarmed. And then what they were seeing in like on the cell phones was like the live leak footage of the guy getting back up and not going. So, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe. But, I'm not sure. But even then, it's like you're talking about something that's less than 24 hours ago. Sure. Yeah. So and also, uh, I don't know. I. With it being less than 24 hours ago, marksmanship being kind of hard and their training being aimed center mass, I guess I'd buy it. I'd buy that, uh, you know, it's it's more like one guy got lucky and shot the head than someone finally decided to try for it. <laughs> or got unlucky and missed center mass. There, you, That's exactly. <laughs> uh, tomato, tomato. Hmm. So Alicia got her ass kicked in Monopoly, probably because all this bleeding heart, liberal kindergarten capitalism bullshit she's espousing. I'm I'm sure she's, she spent most of the time trying to help the homeless on the boardwalk, yeah, or going to the jail and trying to free. She's wrong. not wheeling and dealing no, hard enough, man. No, you got to unleash your cold hearted. You need capitalist. all the railroads. You need boardwalk and park yes. place. Yes, you need, you need to drive St. James Place. You need to drive your mother and brother from their homes, penniless. <laughs> <laughs> and send them back to Baltic Avenue where uh-huh. they belong. She almost got steamrolled into playing the thimble. <laughs> My God. Um, yeah, you can't win with the thimble. No. That's a little no. known house rule. <laughs> so they're now sitting in the dark with flashlights, which I thought was a great way to build up tension. And they didn't really do anything with it. Yeah, I'm thinking of like. Um, yeah, they did some stuff, I guess, with Susan a little bit, but not much. Kind of. But like, I'm thinking of like. Um, What's that Mel Gibson farming movie that you love so much? Signs. Signs. You know, the, when they're all in the basement and they're kind of, sw- you know, sw- swiping the flashlights around and there's this kid standing in front of a grate and they mm-hmm. put the flashlights on him and it's like, what? And there's an alien behind him. Uh-huh. I was really expecting that with a zombie. And I thought that would have been, even though I was expecting it, I thought it'd been cool. Maybe they didn't do it because you were expecting it. Mm, mm, yeah. I don't know. I still felt like it created a lot of tension. Well, here's the thing. And. I feel like there's good ways to build the play, to build tension with people that don't know about zombies with the audience. Because we know swinging flashlights around in a dark house is a bad idea because we've gone through five seasons of The Walking Dead. Sure. They don't, but it's not an unreasonable or a particularly foolish thing to do. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of thing I think that the show needs to isolate and say, this is a good way to build tension without driving your audience crazy. Hmm. Um, whereas... Some of the other stuff that they pulled just makes their their people look stupid. Um, but yeah, there are spooky noises outside. Uh, Nick is continuing to st- stir shit by saying, "Not not Travis isn't dead. He's just on his mission to get his real family <laughs> and abandon us." Oh boy, which is great. Yep. Uh, Nick actually tries to get people to stay away from windows, and he also tries to tell Alicia what's going on. But Madison steadfastly refuses. And again, like I feel like they needed younger kids to pull this kind of dynamic off. I think Nick's about the right age, but yeah, maybe Alicia. Nick is a pro, but she needs to be like twelve. Yeah, if Nick was twelve and he was addicted to heroin and oxy, I don't know that I would buy it. Well, no, like Nick had been the but older yeah. brother, and you know uh-huh. sometimes that happens. Or they could have. I mean, I don't know what they're going with the two families, but you know you have that where you've got one kid that's old, and then there's a whoops, the surprise came along. So sure, yeah, uh, and then that I don't know. There's ah, whatever. Uh, so there is a kind of a jump scare with the flashlight, but it's a friendly blood soaked dog. 
And it <laughs> comes inside and is barking at a not-so-friendly blood-soaked zombie that's kind of staggering their way. Uh, at this point, Nick says they need a gun, and he knows the neighbors have a shotgun because he's tried to steal it. But that was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. It makes you wonder, like, how many times he's broken into this neighbor's house. He yeah. knows where the key is, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And then he leads his family through what I can only describe as some kind of scaffolding for a high-density garden. Yeah, seems like it. Uh, and sure enough, they find a shotgun and some ammo as the lights come on before they go dark again. Uh, meanwhile, as they're watching, the neighborhood, the the neighbor zombie that's in their house just dispatches this dog in like five seconds. Yeah. Uh, we've we talked about that a lot on Instant Cast, about whether that's believable or not. Mm-hmm. Still don't buy it, but whatever. So ignore how believable it is for a second. I thought the the image of Alicia watching through the window as this undead creature shambles into their house yeah. was pretty chilling. Yeah. No, because that... they linger on it too. They, sure. they let us know this is not a human being. This is a an abomination, and it is going into your home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're watching it like bystanders yeah. can't really do anything about it. I also thought it was interesting how Alicia went into full on creeper mode, like why her family is finding guns and stuff. Like I'm going to look at all these photos I've never gotten a chance oh, to look at. Yeah, um, that kind of seems like something she would do. Okay. Uh, in a non like maddening way to like again, that's a good way to show a naive character without being like raise your blood pressure as a viewer. I think anyway. Uh, as there as that's happening, Team Travis finally rolls in at like the worst possible time. Yeah, that's the other <laughs> bit of tension here, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it, there's some because Madison clearly sees the danger and she goes run off and she's screaming Travis but you know he can't be she can't be heard over the tomato vines or yeah whatever the, the sound dampening i mean it's real we use it here in the studio oh yeah it's it's Toma- wall to wall like vines. behind the cameras tomato vines everywhere and grapes yeah yeah got to got to make that got to make that wine that 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 prison toilet wine that that we've resorted to of late mm-hmm. uh Anyway, Travis rolls in. The lights come on to show that there is a zombie neighbor that's chowing down on a dead dog as the dead dog just gazes right into our soul. (laughs) (laughs) That's a creepy shot. I like it. It is. Travis tries to reason. Like, here's the thing. Fucking Travis. He sees this guy tearing into the bowels of this dog. Mm -hmm. He gets up covered in blood, and his first thing is like, (laughs) Stephen, what 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 are you doing, brother? You're sick, man. You, you just ate that dog. Yeah. I, this is where Travis loses me. Yeah. yeah. Before this, he's fine. Like, mostly. Like, if he says, like, if he's not ready to kill the guy, and he's like, okay, this person's sick, back away slowly. But to go up and, and try to engage the person as a person. Yeah, reason with him. Like, again, if it's a drug, if it's a disease, whatever, he's eating a dog. Yeah, like. How did that work for you with Calvin? Yes. You've done this before. You've been here, man. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Maddie comes in with the shotgun and kind of ineffectually just waves it around the air as Barbershop, (laughs) sick of their shit, Uh decides to regulate. First, blows off the guy's face. Very cool. Nicotero getting his digs in. Yeah, so it's birdshot. I figured out that they had loaded it with birdshot, which is why it didn't kill the thing in the first shot. I don't know if that's realistic. I have no idea, but... They're definitely the green shells are the ones they're loading in okay. from from the box with the bird on it. Okay, cool, good good catch. And uh, he then follows up with a second shot and just takes the head completely off. Oh yeah. Uh, I thought it was 
I thought it was pretty funny that there's like all this kitschy stuff in the background. Like there's this, you know, eat, pray, love bullshit. Like you are loved and this family, blah, 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 <laughs> all this stuff. It's not even really true for this mm-hmm. specific, specific family in real life. But then, you know, contrasted with this guy shooting this guy dead in the house. And then Travis response. What did you do? What did you do? Oh, fuck you, Travis. He dealt with the problem you weren't going to deal with, dude. And I like barbershop. He saved your ass. Casually handing the gun back to yeah. Maddie. Yeah. Like, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Alicia's back in the neighbor's house. I think it's because she was staying by to try to collect shells. Yeah. So they realized that they had forgotten them, and they were all headed back in to warn Travis, and yeah. she went back. Uh, but she did find the neighbor, the other neighbor zombie, and it chases her back through the garden maze. Yeah. Uh, she gets through the fence, and the zombie's trying to grab a hold of her. Chris, her quasi stepbrother mm-hmm. runs to help her and tries to pull her off the fence ends up kind of like bear hugging her and she elbows him in the face i have a take on this oh no i think that maybe i mean that th- 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 chris maybe do- did something creepy oh no like maybe did, did a little bit of, did a little it. bathroom spying on one of his visits to their Ooh. house because Ooh, okay. here's the thing to chris this guy's just some random hot girl that's the daughter of yeah. a guy that his dad's banging. Sure. Like, I'm pretty sure that's that, like yeah. that's on Brazzers every other week <laughs> as, a, as a fantasy. Uh-huh. Uh, and her reaction, she's either just really, really stupid and, and, and reactionary, which I would buy based on what we've seen. But I also think there might be something a little bit deeper there, especially to, to look on Travis's face after all went down. Hmm. Because didn't see that. you would think that he would be more like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck? You know, your brother's trying to help you or whatever. Yeah. Or Chris. They're not really brother or sister. Yeah. And I feel like Chris is getting the short end of the stick here because, like, let's assume he's not an ultimate creeper and they don't have this weird history together. His dad kind of comes down on him, right? As like, he doesn't stick up for him. He doesn't defend him. Yo, your your stepbrother here was just trying to help you. Is that something that happens? Like, is a is a father more hard on his own son in this scenario? Like, I, I really don't know. It probably depends I, on the father, I imagine. Yeah, but. yeah. Like, I, I've seen some parents who are in the, like, my kids do no wrong, even uh, if I'm okay. confronted with evidence. I'm more of the, like, I probably suspect my kid. Okay. Uh, until he's <laughs> well, exonerated. You also feel like you have a little more excuse or, or a little more license to discipline your own kid, right? Yeah. I, I could imagine. Yeah. As opposed to disciplining Madison's kids. Yeah. And, you know, there's, as like if there's a bunch of shit between kids, sometimes rolling into the dad voice and be like, what the hell's going on here? And scooping up your kid and retreating is the best way than to try to hold some kind of court. Yeah. And, and he know. does that with Chris. He raises his voice. He's like, Chris, put down the gun. <laughs> Chris. You know? Yeah, yeah. Whereas I've not seen him do that with the other kids. So, so I'm, I'm about to get... To oh no not no no I'm not um now so it's Madison's turn to hold the idiot ball because she says her neighbor zombie is sick and Nick tired of all this bullshit it's like no she's dead uh-huh. look at her look at what we've been through these last few days look at your life look at your choices this person's dead yep which is news to Alicia since everyone's treated her like she's six years old and she starts wailing about that's not Matt and. I do like that that's immediately where her head goes, though. It should, yeah. Yeah, yeah. in fact, I'm kind of... She puts two and two together here. I kind of thought, you know, again, it would be more real. If they're going to go toward the Monopoly thing, uh, have Alicia returning to that? 
Like, if you're not going to talk about the day's events, like, you know, well, who's going to check on that? Yeah. Phones aren't working. You know, we at least need to come over there. First, promise me first thing in the morning something. Mm-hmm. But yes, at least they remembered that she had a boyfriend in this instance. And, and I'm sure did, yeah. that'll factor in in future episodes. So Travis goes in to help Chris with his nose and reminds his son of all the times he's had his nose broken. Which doesn't is, really look like it, but okay. Here's my evidence for Travis's possibly reformed total asshole theory. <laughs> How many times in your life do you get your nose broke? Unless you're like a professional. I mean, is he was he a, a boxer maybe? before became a literature teacher? Was he an MMA yeah. fighter? Or uh, was he just in a lot of bar fights? I was surprised by that line too. I'm not sure. Uh, but you know, again, like they're hinting at something in his past, though, right? This is the guy who just you know brushes past his ex wife's personal space for. Without even trying to negotiate. This seems like the kind of brash actor that might have gotten his nose broke. Maybe his wife's a boxer, and every time he did that before, she punched him in the nose. There you go. She she looks pretty tough. You remember how many times your mother broke my nose, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of on team, team Maddie and Team Liza, completely off of Team Travis. Yeah. Uh, so Chris is naturally worried about the situation. The lights come back on. We find out Chris you know, gets to remain pretty yet another day because his nose ain't broken. And I actually thought the scene was pretty effective when it kind of slowed down. It became, you know, a 16-year-old kid being worried about his survival and his family and what this all means and his dad. You know, in this case, I I don't think saying that things are going to generically be okay is a bad plan. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else you can say there. Panic. <laughs> no, 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 don't. Don't do that. The neighbors are eating dogs. <laughs> <laughs> we just killed a man in our house the end is nigh even yeah if, even if the world isn't coming to an end i'm surely going to jail we're going down for murder yeah <laughs> we are the the ethnic minority in a bunch of nice white fo- folks home we're, fucked. we're done yeah. yeah it's 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 all over uh so back in the living room travis either lies or maybe he doesn't know about maddie scoring the drugs i think he finds that out in another scene but he says that they don't have anything stronger than aspirin in this house. Ah, yeah, yeah. But he gave kind of a weird look at Maddie, but maybe that was a reaction to Maddie, kind of like, ooh, that ain't strictly true. Um, I guess he wouldn't know, right? Potentially. I, I, try, I think, yes, that he went to go check on Chris before she went on her ninja raid to the high school yes. drug locker. They did that at the same time, I think? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and he hasn't been back. Uh, barbershop straight out lies by saying his cousin's coming to pick them up in the morning. Uh-huh. Uh, which his whole family kind of doesn't really sell that lie very well. Madison and her whole family, including Alicia, want to leave right the fuck now. But Travis feels some kind of awkward obligation to Team Barbershop that they don't appreciate or value at all. Yeah, I was trying to keep score during this second rewatch, which apparently Travis has been doing, according to Barbershop. Sure. Uh, I couldn't determine the score because the score seems to be one nothing barbershop when he lets him stay inside during the riot. Yeah. Score seems to be even when he goes back and helps save barbershop's wife. Right. I don't, I mean, is the score now? I, I have no idea. Like it seems even at that point. And no, no, because when Travis takes him back to their home and shelters them, then I think it'll, now okay. it's now they Travis is something. up to one. Okay. Although right. Barbershop did kill the zombie and save Travis, so maybe it's two, two all. Who knows? They could have different ideas of what the score exactly. is. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I would say that, you know, Barbershop trying to 
impart basic gun information to Chris is running up the score, but Travis would say that that's actually yeah. uh, a party foul. So <laughs> anyway, Travis is dragging out his neighbor that he's wrapped up into one of those big I- Ikea carpets, mm-hmm. and the barbershop wants him to burn him to contain the disease, which not unreasonable. I just don't... I, I thought this was this whole sequence is bizarre because Travis is spouting all this Pollyanna stuff about return to normalcy. And, you know, as we will see in a, a scene, he takes out his garbage like everyone else on the street, thinking that we're going off to desert, we're going to come back, but at least the garbage, you know, we'll have a clean house and the garbage will be taken out. But he's also acting like he murdered his neighbor and he buries him in the back. I mean, it's really hard for me to get straight what he's thinking. Like, I, I yeah, wish I'm, that there I'm was a you. scene about like, look, we're not burning him and I'm not leaving him out here to rot in the sun. I'm going to bury, you know, it's like the least we can do is bury him. And then if they want to exhume, said some kind of 10 second line to make me think that Travis just isn't some crazy person. Yeah, I'm mostly with you there. I don't, I don't really get his motivation for it, but I, I don't know. The thing that I thought was interesting, I guess, is, um, what you talked about before with Travis clearly having something against guns specifically and maybe violence period. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not certain. I, I, I just wonder if that is going to become a big problem for him. It kind of already is. I mean, we saw with Peter, he almost got himself killed there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just can't see a guy like that surviving sure. a guy who doesn't, who refuses you. Go, he's either going to have to change or he's going to have to get eaten. Yeah. Can't have it both ways. Well, maybe he'll survive three and a half seasons. We'll get a nice fiesta out of it. Maybe so. Uh, in the kitchen, Liza and Travis have a moment. The, on second watch, this didn't seem as much of a moment as the first one, but there's still something there. Yeah. And the fact that other other minor characters are talking about it, like Nick and Chris in their own way are expressing concern that this could be a situation makes me think, it is a potential situation. It's not something I want any part of, mm-hmm. but I could see it happening. Uh, Liza lays out the situation for Team Barbershop's foot. It ain't good. It's going to go necrotic, and it's going to cause her to go into total organ failure, which last time I checked, all o- organs failing totally equals death equals zombie. So I've heard, yeah. Not not a good situation. Uh, Travis says it won't come to that, and she says we can't fix everything. And he says, oh, yeah? Well, look at this sink. Washing the dirt <laughs> off my hands and the blood off yours real good, isn't it? I fixed this. Boom. QED. Yeah. Uh, do we need to talk about the Travis equals Lori theory? Uh, we talked about it in the instant cast or was that the live watch? I know for a fact not everyone that listens to this cast listens to the instant cast. Okay. But I'm kind of concerned that they are structuring Travis to be like an early season Walking Dead Lori. And that there's a possible love triangle. Yeah between the ex-wife and the girlfriend and he's got like all of her undesirable traits the fact that you can't teach you know in this case 16 year old and and you know young adults basics about gun safety during a riot Mm -hmm. during a zombie riot at that he is just seems like you know he's very fixated on the niceties of civilization like burying the dead and you know, keeping his word to strangers that don't want him to or expect him to just a lot of all the kind of annoying wishy-washy things um, yeah. seem to be plaguing him. And I'm worried about that. 
Yeah, I mean, we we have so much feedback. A lot of it, which I just cut because it was redundant. But yeah. a lot of feedback on Travis and how he's just turning into a train wreck of a character. All right. Um, and some questions on why people think that and, and other stuff that we'll get to. Okay. Uh, back in the bedroom at Team Barbershop, uh, the whole family, the daughter, the the mother, and the father um, are debating about whether Papa can handle the situation by himself or whether they should throw into these people who are not their family. The daughter drops science that these people are from El Salvador and that their family is all dead back in that country. So this cousin thing is a lie. Uh, the, this is also very confusing the family converses fluently in both English and Spanish, but there's a quip at the end where Papa Barbershop says, it's your idea not to teach her Spanish. I think that was him saying, boy, I wish wish we hadn't taught her Spanish, ha-ha. Because then so we we'd could have send her to bed and have our language. conversation. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what it was, but you're right. It's very confusing Yeah, because he doesn't say it like that's he, he says it almost like he's blaming her, not thanking her. Yeah, and she had kind of a right or, or smile the other way it. around. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's you're right, but it didn't make a lot of it didn't make a lot of sense. Mm-mm. Anyway, uh, so the father thinks that they are better off by themselves. The daughter thinks they're better off thrown in in with these other people. Uh, Travis explains to his wife, or not his wife, his girlfriend, uh, the why he took in Team Barbershop. And Madison explains why he she divvied up Nick's oxy supply with Team Barbershop. Uh, Travis actually apologizes for Barbershop's aforementioned regulation on the zombie, which at this point in the episode, I'm like, Jesus, Travis. He's a mess. You should just remain silent. <laughs> You're confirming your foolishness. Yeah. Uh, another good scene where Liza tries to proactively smooth over tension between her and Madison, acknowledging that, like, hey, you know, this is weird. But we need to, you know, be united front for the kids and all that, which is probably true. Uh, but all Matt, Madison's like cuts off her shit and says, look, all I want from you is if I get sick like this girl out here, you end me. Because if you don't, it'll end Travis. Like. She doesn't think very highly of Travis's ability to cope with emotional trauma. It, it will break him. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Even the characters it's, are it's also, off of Travis. It's also interesting the the parallel there between what she thinks of Travis's capabilities and what Travis clearly thought of Liza's capabilities back when they were married. Uh, uh, when she's talking about, you know, I did take a break and you always said I was I could do more, but you never thought it. Uh, you never believed it. Oh, you I, thought that's what that was about? Yeah. Huh, because I got it to where she said, he goes, I always thought that. And she goes, no, you always said it, which I thought mean you not just privately thought it, but you actually tried to encourage me and... I, I took it as a completely different oh, thing. Oh, see, I I took it as like thinking he said is, it, but she never she knew he never believed it. Yeah, and now she's proving herself. It's like you know when your buddy breaks up with his crazy girlfriend. If you if you say when he breaks up with them, oh uh, yeah, well I always thought she's crazy. That's a less effective thing than if you're been on record as like, yo, your girlfriend's crazy. You need to break <laughs> up with her. Sure, yeah, yeah. Like, it's a whole different conversation. Uh-huh. So I thought it was kind of shades of that where he not just thought it, but he actually tried to encourage her. And for whatever reason, because it seemed like it was huh. that's why I said it was a moment. It seemed like it was more of um, a fond memory than a than a, an invective kind of conversation. Yeah, maybe I misread that. I'm not I'm not sure. I need to apparently watch it three times next week. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, yeah, Travis is going to be broken. If he has to kill Madison, uh, re-kill her or whatever. Yeah. 
Travis is busy burying. It's it's now morning time, and he's busy burying his neighbor in view of the other neighbor that's still a zombie. Who I will say looks like she's having a hell of a time acting out this role. Oh yeah, like she's got the faces and she's making the sound and she's doing the, like the claw thing. Mm-hmm. And then Travis wheels his bloody carpet into a trash can out to the curb, and his his neighbor's doing the same thing. His neighbor's like this big, tough, kind of scary looking dude. Yeah, and there's this moment where. He looks at Travis, and I think Travis is thinking, I wonder if that guy's got a dead body in there or whatever. Uh-huh. And the guy's looking at him like, bitch, I might have a dead body in here. <laughs> it is, I thought it was funny. It could also be that he heard the shotgun blast, and he's giving him a stink oh, eye. Like, but there was, what are you doing? Yeah, it's true. What are you doing out there? Yeah, it's true. Like, I heard that last night. And there was, But there was gunfire throughout the neighborhood, it seemed like. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm... Maybe that's it. The earlier gunfire during Monopoly was him <laughs> killing a neighbor. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like I said, I think this didn't make it into the instant cast, but, you know, we're talking about how these people are really loathe to kill their neighbors, even when they're zombies. And I'm like, in my experience as a homeowner, <laughs> at least 50% of the time, you're actively plotting your neighbor's deaths. You uh-huh. know, it's like, what? how can I do it and not and, and, and get away with it scot-free? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Travis comes back in, and Barbershop is giving some basic gun instruction to Chris. This led a lot of people on the internet to speculate that not only is he from El Salvador, but perhaps he was an ex-Salvadorian soldier. Hmm. His comfort level with guns and his, you know, being willingness to kill what other people wouldn't. Because I don't know if you knew this, but uh, El Salvador had a, a brutal civil war from like 79 to 94. Why couldn't he be a revolutionary? He could. Well, I mean, didn't he be in an army of a different court, sort? Okay. But these guys are refugees from this kind of violence, and they've clearly been through a yeah, ton yeah. of shit. And, you know, we just got done watching Narcos. We know how crazy South American uh, revolutionary politics and stuff can get. What do you think of the theory that Barbershop has got some kind of military or paramilitary training? Uh, sure, I buy it. That, okay. that sounds... He He knew an awful lot of specifics about... The shells, like it's not just that he knew how to load the gun and fire the gun. Yeah, he knew he was talking specifics, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, he was talking about like different chokes you can have, which can control the spread of, and also like you know different shot types, like the bird. That's more than I've ever heard any of my friends who own guns talk about. (laughs) And maybe it's just that they know that I don't really give a shit. You've never gone skeet shooting with me. I'm sure I've been shooting with you though, <laughs> but I didn't hear you. any about well, any there's stuff about that. There's no fucking choke at the end of my <laughs> Magnum 357. See, Christ. you didn't even tell me that. God damn it! <sighs> I don't think you'd like it if I put one. Uh, the barrel would explode. Anyway, we should move on. Okay, Madison goes out with a hammer. Uh, because there's no other implement in her house more suited to bash a head in than the ball peen hammer that she's got. Yeah, like uh, mm. a kitchen knife. Well, you got to get through a skull. I guess that's so, true. And these aren't the sun-ripened cantaloupe not skulls that, no. that we see in later days Walking Dead. Nope. Uh, but she's got the ball-peen hammer, and she's going to uh, put out on a mission. Uh, she's going out on a mission to kill this other neighbor zombie who we find out is Susan and who has a husband, Patrick, who's still missing. And that's her concern. She's like, you know, what if I had turned... And you came in Russian, and it wasn't the neighbor, but it was me. She's like, kind of like unspoken. I know what you'd do. You'd be mm-hmm. like, Madison, you're sick. Come here, baby. And then I'd nom on you. Uh, but tra- So this is an awesome setup. Yes. For what is a 
cataclysmically bad knockdown. I thought it was fucking terrible what they did with this setup at the end. Okay. We can get to we we'll get to that. But here's okay. my, here's my problem. So Travis is like, but she's just sick. It's not your call to make. What if there's a possibility of saving these people? Which is kind of that's well worn Walking Dead territory, and it's not an unreasonable thing to say. Mm-hmm. Like in absence of an obvious threat, these are sick people that may be helped with modern medicine. I mean, who knows? But what okay. I'm always wanting is to like, where is the middle path here? Like she's on the side of this picket fence. Like would would it not be cool to see like maybe Madison in the background? Like you could use rope to like rope the zombie to the fence or tie a rope around her arm and somehow secure her so she's not going to wander off and eat her husband or at least make it less likely. So she's not a harm to herself or others. Yeah. And you're also not bashing her brains in. Like there's never any of that. It's always black and white. And with a show – genre as mature as the walking dead i'm kind of ready for some shades of gray in these conversations we dealt with all this in season one the walking dead so like now take some time to actually think about two smart intelligent people uh with fairly liberal sensibilities how would they deal with the zombie neighbor when it's not a heated moment um yeah survival this is like a weirdly bloated hour 10 minute episode like they had like, like, cut all this, the Monopoly bullshit and deal with how you would actually treat this neighbor situation. Yeah, I honestly felt like it was going to end when they were driving away. Yeah. Like, there there were some some wide shots that pulled out and followed some cars, and I thought, okay, it's over. This show loves its false endings. I guess so. Do yeah. you think that... I wonder if this is because, like, they shot all this stuff as a unit and then kind of chopped it up in episodes later. Or they... Maybe. You know, to kind of make it flow better, because that's kind of like what i'm thinking they keep on tacking things on that they yeah i mean narratively it's a bad place to stop with them just driving off unless going to stop him with the military the next yeah yeah because the 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 story with patrick and susan loses all yeah uh urgency that's true loses everything it's got which is not much (laughs) that's true uh turns out barbershop is watching this whole thing and he pronounces the whole situation debil which i first heard in season three of Orange and the New Black. What does that mean? It means just weak or soft-headed. Oh, oh yeah. And in subtitles, it weak. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, there you go. New, some new lingo for y'all. Uh, Nick begs his mom for more drugs and expresses a bunch of bitchy alarm that there is no more. And then he finds out that she's, it's because she divvied it up and gave it to the other woman in pain. And he mm-hmm. just turns into an amoral, selfish, manipulative asshole. Uh, an addict? Would and you say? I literally keep reminding myself every time he's speaking dialogue, he is an addict, okay? Yeah, yeah. But when he says, I don't need you, Mom. I need my medicine. That's a real shitty thing to say. But it's for one. It's so nakedly monop- manipulative. I just kind of want uh-huh. Madison to backhand him. Yeah, and like calling it your medicine yeah. in the first place is yeah. disingenuous at best. And my, what? oh, uh-huh. did you earn it? Did you? I thought you were puking your guts mm-hmm. out. Did you kill a principal for this? Yeah, no, you didn't kill shit. Yeah. Oh, just everything sets my teeth. But again, she should have just said, "You're addict. welcome. You're welcome." Yeah. For the things I've done for you, you're welcome. You ingrateful little shit. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of an adult. You're not supposed to engage with children like that. But I, yes, but I you're also. I, I just also advocate her backing, giving him the back of his hand. You're not supposed uh-huh. to engage that way either. Nope. 
but you want to. I think you do. I think in this situation you would, would want to. Mm-hmm. And I think the look on Madison's face communicates that she kinda is feeling a bit of that. Yeah, as soon as he mentions medicine, she's like, Oh god. Yes. This is gonna go on my, forever, isn't it? My medicine. <laughs> anyway, shut up there, Gilbert. Uh Barbershop. Team Barbershop is glad. Not the whole team, the head coach yeah. is glad that Travis is leaving, uh, which makes two of us. His daughter thinks they should stay together in a group, and her father's just being paranoid. Uh, we, as the audience watching five scenes of The Walking Dead, is like, uh, nope, nope, your dad's right. You need to shut the fuck up and listen to him. But we kind of appreciate that he's been through a lot of shit because his mother completely backs her father, says, we've been through worse situations than this. Uh, talking about the El Salvador situation mm-hmm. and just completely reaffirms her ride or die status with him. And her father opi- opines that good people are the first to die. That, yeah. I, do you think we'll get the 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 rarest of all, the most precious of all Walking Dead commodities, the flashback? Hmm. Would you care to see this guy escaping El Salvador yeah. during a revolution? And like see the pair, like, it would be cool to see him like fleeing down a street that didn't look that distinct from L.A. Or maybe seeing soldiers hmm. sweeping neighborhoods and marking like I, I kind of almost to where you're not even sure if it is. Yeah. LA or not. And you yeah. Find out, mm, maybe. Yeah. Like it's kind of slightly cool. blurry and they do like oral effects from explosion. I, I think that would be really effective and cool. It might be. Yeah. But it's also may, maybe maybe if, if it's also maybe belaboring the point. And it's probably also not consistent with the timeline. Like, I don't think this daughter survived through that. I think she was born in the States, which is why sure, that's fine. they weren't going to teach her Spanish, all this stuff. But yeah. So this guy would be like, what, six, at least 16, 17 years younger? Depends so on his wife. Depends on if they fled when the war first broke out or like towards the end when it was about to be over. Yeah, but I'm assuming they fled before their daughter was born. So, but she, or maybe the, while their the daughter. Civil War was, is over in '94. She could easily be 21, and have been born in the states. And I suppose so. I don't know why I think she's a teenager as well. Because I guess because oh, there are fuck, so many other no teenagers. Fuck, there's no yeah, fucking way they're older. trying to pass because she looks like she's late 20s. But I could assume that she's in her early 20s. Yeah, but I mean, you know, there's you know, a reminder that we're getting old as fuck because a person born in '95 is. 20 years old now man sure sure uh you think her and nick are gonna gonna have some kind of bonding moment they're probably uh, about the same age she doesn't know anything about his drug addiction maybe he can fake nick it for is a while. pretty superficially charming what he's got yeah. going against him is the grandpa clothes oh god yeah uh, instead of playing monopoly and worrying about the fucking shoe maybe go grade Take your a shower step dad boyfriend closet mm-hmm. yeah yeah wash your hair Sure. Uh, get some new clothes. <laughs> I mean, is this like the an example of thrift store chic? Yes, I think so. So maybe it's this is just what he wears. Like those were his <laughs> clothes. Yeah, we've only seen him wear his 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 junky girlfriend's sweater. <laughs> uh huh. And and old guy clothes. Maybe that's what he does. He just goes and finds like there's clothes <laughs> laying on the floor. I will assume I I will absorb yeah. them. You know, assume y- their distinctiveness. You know, like Freegans. Freakings go around sure. just eating out of dumpsters and shit like that. Well, he's that way with clothes. Yeah. He just wears what he can find. Yeah, every every dumpster, every Goodwill drop-off site. I don't, I don't let site. clothes weigh me down, man. <laughs> Fuck that. I don't need possessions. I got heroin and I got friends. heroin and I got this members-only jacket. It smells like a dead old guy, and that's all I need. Yep. 
Team Travis mounts up in their vehicles to leave. But wait, as they're heading out of the neighborhood, Maddie spies Patrick, oh. the zombie husband. Well, oh, this could have been amazing. The husband of the zombie wife returning home, and she whips around to try to avoid this pending tragedy, which was clearly on her mind. And then all hell breaks loose. Well, you know, hell kind of gets quashed here, right? Well. <laughs> like, the hell doesn't break loose. The hell is put down. Well, I'm saying, like, in this moment, everything was quiet. She's trying to reason with the guy. He's going towards his wife, and then... <laughs> Soldiers in gas masks kick down the fence. The, the big and, Deus Ex Machina for Patrick steps in the door. And, and it was a ass. poorly shot scene because it seemed like an explosion went off, hmm. which I think it probably did. And then they pan over to her head, like, you know, having a hole in it. Like, I thought it was yeah. staged weird for just the soldiers getting a, a dead on headshot. Yeah. And you don't really you don't see any soldiers like where did the soldiers come from? My God. I think they busted down the fence. Or they might have actually exploded that, like, brick wall or something. Yeah, it seems like they showed up real quick. Yeah. And out of nowhere, which is why... Well, on the other hand, they had those Chinooks in the air. I mean, they could have, like, been just up the street and dropped off. Just dropped in on ropes? Yeah, I mean, if zombies can can be stealth from 30 foot away, I think a helicopter can land down the street (laughs) and these guys zip down. Nobody notices. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Uh, But yeah, the fact that they shoot a dead-on headshot implies that they've gotten more zombie knowledge than the cops do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the thing I don't like about it though, and I was reading the Forbes article and this, they have some really good ideas on how this could have gone. Um, which I totally agree with. If it were to be a case of where like, so, so they set up how Susan like had helped Maddie through, um, the loss of her husband and through mm. the aftermath of that and always been there. And that she was so concerned about Patrick coming home. Yeah. What if Patrick does come home, but she doesn't see it or, and we as an audience go, oh, no, that's yeah. a problem for Patrick. Or if she doesn't see it, but Travis does and decides to do nothing about it Ooh. as they all drive away. That would have been interesting. That would be so much cooler than the non-situation that happens here. Like, there's no consequence for Patrick. Patrick goes in, he gets one final hug, and boom, his wife's dead. Yeah, I mean, he probably gets carted off to some kind of research facility. Yeah, or and, maybe and just when he doesn't turn, he gets released. Ah, <laughs> you think they're going to dissect poor Patrick? No, I think he's going to be in a mass grave. Like they're not going to shoot even him in front observe of observe him. They're just going. They don't want to figure out if these... the blood does anything. Well, I don't know because these these soldiers are simultaneously way too laid back about what they're doing and also way too intent and focused about what they're doing. Like I, it could go hmm. either way. Like this could be a 28 days type of situation where it's mm. like, Oh, you think the cavalry's coming, but they're actually as big a asshole or bigger assholes than the zombies. Or yeah. it could be that they're just trying to do their job and they're going to break under pressure. I mean, I, I don't know where they're going. There's lots of interesting directions they could take. It's true. But yeah, they were weirdly, assertive about some things but also just kind of like oh yeah we don't need to verify actually all the people inside and see if anyone's wounded or has a bite or yeah is this freshly dug corpse hole for a dog for real or is it i got a person inside it you know what i'm saying Uh uh-huh they kind of like all over the map about and i just don't think soldiers on this particular mission would be that way Hmm. yeah maybe not these aren't peacekeeping troops that's certainly not no they're there to kill they are the tip of the spear Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out that Travis and Madison aren't married. 
uh, because he says it's my girlfriend and he provides the names of all nine inhabitants. And again, again the soldier doesn't blink and an eye that a three bedroom home's got nine people shoved inside of it. Yeah. And Madison goes and kind of ballsily confronts these troops that have completely taken over the neighborhood. Like she's very assertive and like, what the fuck are you doing? And blah, blah, blah. And they seem to know a lot, but they won't confirm or deny any of the information to her. Like she's like, does this is how it spreads getting blood on you. And they just don't answer questions. Mm -hmm. But then some of what they know seems to be wrong. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, if they knew everything that we know, they wouldn't be taking Patrick into custody because he wasn't bit. Yeah. He's not going to die anytime soon. Um, so, they, yeah, I think they they still have limited information. But they seem to think that, you know, sp- the contaminated fluid is a prime vector because, you know, they're yeah. sealed, they're, all the people handling the bodies are in full chemical gear suits. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's not just – not that they have bad information, but they just don't know yet. Uh, yeah, yeah. So okay. th- that's where I was coming from. Anyway. But the headshots, they do, they do they know, know that. more oh, yeah. than the average Joe, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick is snooping around outside trying to break – is he trying to break back into their home, or is he I, trying to break into another neighbor's home? It's got to be another neighbor's home, yeah. I'm not familiar enough the outsides of these that I know, but he's kind of like spotted by a little a little girl playing inside the other house, and he decides better of breaking in right in front of her. <laughs> uh, then we see a jet pass overhead, which I thought was pretty cool, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, they're showing like you know, give us another hope for return to normalcy. But then it does like a quick evasive turn and like maxes power and gets the fuck out of there. So yeah, have you know. heard that there's supposedly a webisode, a thirty minute webisode, going to come out either in the middle of the season or afterwards that shows like a zombie outbreak on an airliner? Oh, okay, maybe it's that one. People are wondering if like that's going to be the kind of uh, you know teaser that or like a nod to those events. To get you to go, I, I yeah. don't know if that's enough to get you to go to AMC t- TV and like, what the fuck is that? But if you're part of the core fan group that's like intense about it, then maybe sure that would be the Easter egg, you know, to track it down and then share it with all your it's friends. Not like an international flight. I mean, I'm trying to think of like how long you'd have to be in the air for somebody to die, like somebody to board a plane who's well enough to be let on board, but. But what if they just have a heart attack? They don't have to be sick. They just have a heart attack. I guess, yeah, they, it could be random, just completely out of the blue, someone dies. Like, I don't know the statistic, but there's got to be hundreds, if not thousands, of people that die in planes on an annual basis. Not including crashes, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not talking about, like, air disasters. I'm just talking about... That seems high. That number seems pretty high to me. But Really? Yeah. With all the pressure changes, like brain embolisms and... Yeah, well, maybe. Huh. I'm sure at least one. So this could be I've heard one, that with right? scuba divers. Like Yeah. Like like scuba divers that spend like all day in the Bahamas in twenty foot water. That's not enough to give you the bins. Mm-hmm. But then when you get up to thirty five thousand feet and the pressure cabin's low, you can get an onset of bins. Wow. And you know, maybe stuff like that. Huh. Anyway. Uh so we get like we just see that like you know the neighborhood's being taken over the soldiers are efficiently moving from house to house and marking survivors and tagging bodies and putting them into trucks and team Travis's opinion is the cavalry has arrived it's going to get better now team barbershops point by point rebuttal is it's already too late this is super interesting i i like this when you when you combine this with him being from El Salvador and possibly being part of the military or the resistance yeah one of the two this guy seeing this as an occupation 
Yeah, like when the when the soldiers start sweeping house to house, it's too it's it's too late to flee. Yeah, yeah, like they might have a repeat. They might have to use his skills to get the hell out of L.A. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny because I was talking to a lot of people, and two of them were ex-military types, uh, and they were saying like. It's going to be very hard for me to believe that the zombie apocalypse breaks out at this point because I just don't see with these soldiers knowing what they know mm-hmm. and in the quantities that they're in, like how in the hell would they get overrun? Which has been my whole thing from ever since I discovered that zombies were a thing. Yeah, I mean in the suburbs, but you look at what hap- happened downtown, like that's a whole other story. I, I mean I if guess. they're overrun by the small people, the small – amount of the population who's willing to riot now say that the entirety of la downtown turns into zombies well shit (laughs) now everybody's rioting in the form of zombies i I don't know i i would think it'd be so much easier to to come in and occupy this suburb than it would be to to cleanse la of this sickness Mm. of this problem i don't know Uh, there's some of that's like some of this world war z like um I remember in the universe, the guy describing how like cluster bombs have no effect on zombies. I'm like, I'm pretty fucking sure cluster bombs would be highly effective against zombies. You would think so. Like you might not want to wade like a grenade, maybe not, but a cluster bomb. Yeah, like you you might not want to wade through the aftermath because I'm not sure it would be effective at killing them all, but Mm -hmm. it will stop like a charge, like five thousand zombies coming at you. Oh yeah, drop a cluster bomb in there, and it's it's all over. Like. Mm -hmm. I just feel like people really underestimate the capabilities of a modern military force. Yeah, but, I mean, that that means you're going to destroy Los Angeles. <laughs> I don't know. And, and you're going to have to wage that war across the entire country. Like, Did we get any comments about thing. Did we get any comments about the insignia on these guys that I talked about in the instant cast? Uh-uh. Ah, shit. No. Because I thought maybe that as a clue that these guys are, like, the kind of troops that you'd dispatch if you wanted to cauterize a city. Hmm. <laughs> Like, L.A. has been declared forfeit. Everyone that's outside the kill zone, we will try to protect. Everyone inside there, tough shit. But how much of the country are you going to do that with? As much as you have to. I mean, mean, that might be all of it. Like, with what we know as an audience about this thing, Yeah, everybody who dies is going to come back. So it's not not isolated. Yeah. No, it's like it's weird. That's the thing about it. If it was, if it was like spread communicably some way, Mm -hmm. um, I think that would be one thing. The fact that it's not, the fact that everybody's infected, and if you die, you come yeah, back. Yeah, that is the the key thing. That's the kicker, man. Like I, that is the thing that's like not had me completely saying bullshit to everything because a lot of people die every day. Yeah, and everywhere, right? Yeah, and not everyone, especially initially, is going to be on the same page about your loved one that dies. Stay the hell away from them, or yeah. But again, is that enough? Because a lot of these people dying are going to be in their homes, and like zombies can't work doorknobs. I think they're in missing these big cities, though. I, I feel like it's a problem. Do you think they're missing some opportunities to play around with the like echoes of life? You know, when we're talking about the initial oh, Walking yeah, yeah. Dead, how it seemed like some of the zombies had, you know, like a little girl would pick up her teddy bear, mm-hmm. or a zombie mom would try to get into her house, but not really understand why. Or no. I thought that yeah. was really profoundly creepy. And here we got fresh zombies. Mm-hmm. That could believably manifest that behavior, and they're doing nothing with it. We've got an email about that. Okay. Well, I want to hear about it. Are we done with the We are the officially recap? done with the recap, so let's go into feedback mode. Okay. 
So now's the time in the podcast where I get to tell you how you can support the efforts of Bald Move to keep these free podcasts flowing to you. Uh, we've had ads in the first two episodes of Fear the Walking Dead, which is great. Um, but even at their height, ads only pay for about a third of our operating cost here. The rest comes from direct listener support and and ways that you can support us yourself. Uh, we try to make it pretty easy to do that. You can you can sign up for our club at club.baldmove.com for as little as a buck a month if, if you get an annual membership. It's $12. Um, and you get a lot of benefit. You get ad-free feeds. You don't have to listen to these calls to action anymore. You get, uh, for this particular show, we do live watches, which means we actually record us watching with some kind of cool synchronization, you know, visual synchronization technology. Uh, so you can sync it up with your TV or if, uh, on your DVR, or if you want to do it a second watch experience. And we, it's kind of like a riff tracks thing with this show where, uh, we we crack about the show. We kind of ooh and ah. We make fun of the local commercials. A uh, good time is had by all. You get to watch uh, live video podcasts of us doing uh, the actual podcast. So it's the earliest way you can actually get that released information. There's VIP sections of the forums. There's all kinds of benefits, subscriber benefits. Uh, and you get it all for as low as a dollar a month. And it's a great way to support our independent podcast. So if you like what we do uh, and you want us to keep doing it, uh, we could really use your help. Go to club.ballmove.com and find out how you can be a club member. We start off with George S., who basically goes on a tirade against everything that's wrong with this show and everything we've talked about. Let the hate flow, George. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole tirade, but he has a question um, after he follow, after he goes on that tirade. He says, basically, am I being too harsh? He's talking about all of the inconsistent character motivations, all of the bad lines and stuff like that. Um all, all of the people reacting weirdly to this situation that we know so much about. It says, am I being too harsh? Are the years of zombie knowledge in modern pop culture affecting how I watch this show? I don't see how they could not affect how you watch this show, Sure, frankly. It's hard to distance, at least myself, from this idea that I know what's going on and these people are acting foolish based on that information, but they don't have that information in a lot of cases. Now, Travis is an exception because he's seen multiple people not be killed by things that should rightly kill him. Yeah. Uh, he should know what's going on. He doesn't. Right. Or he doesn't act like he does. But I, I feel like that's where I run into the problems, right? Well, see, that's always been my hypothesis that you, there are plenty of reasonable human behaviors that can be exploited during a zombie apocalypse that your first reaction is not, Oh God, that's so stupid because of what I know as is, or purely because of what I know as a mm-hmm. zombie enthusiast. Like some of these things would be equally stupid to do in just a pedestrian riot. Gotcha. Or yeah. in any kind of emergency situation. Um, and I think that there, there's a difference between stuff that is only, you know, like criticizing the cops for not being able to shoot, get headshots. Like that would be, that would be over the top stupid. Um, but, you know, criticizing someone for not, being truthful with their family members, near adult family members, uh-huh. seems like the warranted. And I'm not saying, again, there are people like that in the world, but maybe not make your heroic characters. Like, there's satellite <laughs> characters, there's neighbor characters that you could use as, like, here's the example of the stupid people. Don't you want your heroes to be smart? Yeah, you do. I, I feel like... Like, we're not following just some average dumbass yeah. getting killed in zombie apocalypse. We are... I think following a team of survivors that don't know it yet. Those and that's sur- the thing, right? Like that's the story they're trying to tell. They're acting as if 
these people aren't survivors yet, but that's what they'll become later on. But to serve, I mean, they're morphing into that, I guess. I guess it's kind of interesting. Maybe you could make something interesting out of people just surviving through sheer dumb luck until they can be survivors. Maybe. But I think it's more interesting. Like Cillian Murphy in 28 Days Later, right? Yeah. He kind of survives through sheer dumb luck. But I think it's more interesting to show that, like, these core traits that people had, you know, kind of like they're sleeping giants. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, or it's sleeping. Like being able to fix a sink. There you go. Comes in a, comes in real handy. I mean, you joke, but that, <laughs> no, 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 that, that kind of like do-it-yourself attitude mm-hmm. and self-reliance should translate into a certain mentality that might do well in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. And it's not. And, and it, it's inconsistently not, too. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what drives me crazy. And, you know, that's, you know, fandom in a nutshell. You've always got people that hate something and people to love something and people... Yeah. unconsciously love some and there's the people in the middle they're like i really like these concepts and ideas i wish they were executed better which tends to be where we fall that's kind of where we're in yeah you know but what are you gonna do uh shante says do you think the show would be less corny if they had chosen to focus on multiple families dealing with whatever dysfunctions that somehow find each other like maybe show tobias home life and maybe the barbers and then see how they come together through the fall of la says, I think The Walking Dead maybe worked because Rick was seen as a sheriff who loved his wife from the very first scene, and we connected with him instantly. Sure. So, yeah, that's, that's why that's season one works. Idea. Rick was a man on a mission. Yeah. And that that was something we could cling to during the first three or four episodes until mm-hmm. they were able to introduce other other concepts and ideas. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's uh, it's hard to armchair reimagine. Like, I liked doing that. And, like, instead of playing Monopoly, they could have done this. Instead of traveling sure, to this, yeah. they could have done this. Reimagining the whole concept of, like, yes, like, I can see a series where, like, each episode, like, the initial four episodes are an hour long about a particular family. Mm-hmm. And in episodes five, six, they f- you, you see how these things are on a kind of collision course. Yeah, but it's also equally easy to say, like, Oh, let's make this series. Let's follow this one family through the fall of L.A. This mm-hmm. this will be really compelling. We'll get to see how it all happens around them. Like that. That's the thing about these these concepts uh, for shows. They're easy to imagine them being great. Yeah, it's the execution that's tough, right? Right. But you know, there again, like with a show with as much money and as much institutional kind of like series knowledge, it's it's always unfortunate to see them making a lot of the same mistakes that they do. Yeah, no, totally. But to, uh, to, to think that I don't even think that they see these as mistakes or missteps. I think they see it as like homages to great. Zo- and, you all right. Know. <laughs> and there is a there is a and maybe it's a majority of the fandom that are zo- hardcore zombie fans and they like seeing the tropes. That's comforting. Maybe, and like, that's the thing. I like seeing interesting twists on them. I don't like seeing just the tropes. There's nothing compelling about that. I've seen those already. Yeah, that's why they're tropes. Uh, maybe I think the people making this, like the Kirkmans and Nicoteros, they like checking off all these checkboxes. Like George Romero's like that. That fucking man has got these things he's got to get in every one of his films, whether they make sense or not. It's true. It's true. Uh, and his latest ones have suffered for that. Dan from Philly, along those lines, says, after watching this third episode a second time, and I'm close to bagging it all together. Every fucking thing that's so frustrating and stupid on The Walking Dead, they're doing with this show. The constant flip-flopping on characters' actions. Not one person explaining the situation to the ones standing around scratching their heads. But my biggest gripe so far has to be the threat that every episode is going to involve this addict, junkie, he says, uh, trying to either score 
or going through detox all the time. Sorry, but the world going to hell some uh, by now someone would have slapped the shit out of him. How do you feel about that? What do you think? How long do you think this thing with Nick is going to last? And is that going to get on your nerves if it lasts the rest of the season, for instance? It depends how people react to it. Because, uh, you know, a junkie going to do what a junkie going to do. Like, uh-huh. he's going to go through this psychological and biological process that he has no control over. Uh, so whether what if, if Madison stays as maddeningly patient, like stays in school counselor mode... As they are, you know, one hand, she's bashing a zombie out in the desert. And the other hand, she's trying to soothe and comfort Nick. That will get tiresome. Like, I want to see them like, you know what? We are going to tie, hog tie you and throw you in the back of this pickup and go keep keep trucking. Or like, yeah, some kind of some kind of shut the fuck up slap situation. What is the you know, what does Madison's five fingers say to your face? Slap something. <laughs> yeah. Or else the it's just going to be unbearable to the audience. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm mostly with you and and Dan here. I would not like to see that go on. And I'm not saying that's an effective Certainly way. Certainly past to, season one. I'm not saying that's an effective way to treat a recovering addict. But you can see why she would have that reaction. But if your choice is, is your choices, you know, leaving them behind to save your own family or doing something that's perceived as, you know, brutal but effective, then mm-hmm. I think you take the brutal or effective approach, right? Like this again, that's the thing about the zombie apocalypse that's interesting is it allows you to look at some of these societal things free from the ethical and moral framework that we exist as a society. That's what oh, I've always liked yeah. about it. Like rearing children and all that like, everything gets very tribal and prehistoric, you know, prehistoric fast. Yeah, I mean the more uh, for lack of a better word mundane things about raising a child and Right. like it's more about survival and kind of the base, the base parts of humanity that you need to worry about. Right. Otherwise, you're not going to make it till tomorrow. Let alone, what kind of person are they going to grow up to be? No, that's but not it's the like, question. It's like you go like in the beginning of the industrial revolution, we had six year olds in factories. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm sure those six year olds were beat severely for misbehaving or fucking around, and they probably. got pretty fucking sober and serious. They're probably the most sober and serious six year olds you've ever seen. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm not saying the foremen were wrong for doing that because they probably kept them from getting their little bones ground up in the gears and shit. The whole situation's horrific. <laughs> yes. The whole situation's fucked up and horrific and it, sh- it shouldn't be happening. Okay. But I can't fault the foreman for beating the kid with the rod for fucking around for the fifth time in the day, you know? In that Six situation, if you if you say and you accept the premise that you got kids mm. climbing and greasing industrial sized wheels, however horrific that might be, you gotta you gotta do some ass beating to get them to take it seriously. Gotcha. There the, you go. In so in this scenario, the wheels are the zombies, and there's nothing you can do about the wheels. Yeah, you so would you like to, start to check Nick into the Betty Ford clinic. Betty Ford has fucked <laughs> off and left the country. So <laughs> Betty Ford's in her underground bunker. It's time for some ass beatings. Okay, I'm with you. Uh, Melody says, what's up with the icy-eyed zombie? Uh, basically, I didn't hear you guys mention this in your instant cast, but my husband and I were curious about the zombie that Chris saw when he was peeking through the barbershop door during the riots. Uh, at least we assumed it was a zombie. It was a person in a hoodie with icy blue eyes that was just staring back at him. I think it's the protagonist from the Infamous series as, <laughs> after he took the evil path. Uh-huh. Came from Seattle yep. over to L.A. Yep. Uh, he says, we were thinking if it was a zombie, wouldn't it just be lurching uncontrollably at the crowd around it trying to eat someone? Why would it just stand perfectly still and stare through this tiny eye hole sized window? And they wonder if it has to do with 
the the early versions of zombies having more controls over their motor skills and maybe a little bit of residual memory, um, that kind of stuff, which they also mentioned Morgan's wife trying to open the front door mm-hmm. in The Walking Dead. I wonder if that's a thing in this universe where when like before you become this decayed husk of a creature, you actually do have some kind of residual memory or or ability to function more like a human. It seems like something they've played with multiple times. I know. So here's the thing. Like I've I've read and had people tell me and, and talked at cons with professionals about some of the backstory of what happened in The Walking Dead as it passed from showrunner to showrunner. Oh, and okay. I, none of this is, like, I don't have any documentation or confirmation, and a lot of times I can't even tell you if I did mm-hmm. because people swore me to secrecy. But I heard that, like, that zombie Bible that we thought so much about was, like, fucking thrown out the door and swept away as Darabont bullshit. Wow. That okay. th- this is, this is that we're not interested in, in being... Any kind of zombie rules are kind of getting in the way of our storytelling. We want to be just an action drama. Right. Okay. Right. And that that's kind of like what the, some of the fruitages of the Mazera regime. Um, if that's true, it's a fucking shame because I thought that was super interesting. The fact that yeah. like well-fed zombies might be kind of placid and docile. And it would help lend to this idea that people aren't maybe necessarily dead they might it just is. be sick it adds it, it like add some gray area like you know when rick had it was it was a heavy moment when rick shot that little girl in the pilot because uh-huh. you just and watched Morgan her with his wife and you just watched Lord. her pick up a teddy bear i mean yeah i think those are huge missed opportunities and things i was hoping to see and and you're right that guy is almost a throwback to like there is something going on in his eyes like his back is turned and and something inside his barbershop is but that's the other thing about a zombie they're very single minded it honestly felt more like um shit what's that charlton heston movie omega man uh that's what that reminded me of the, yeah. the hooded icy eyed sure, sure. creature or um, the will smith even i am legend that there's yeah yeah the a remake bit of, that of it too. sure no i i concur i don't know how to square course these are new showrunners and maybe they got a more circumspect uh, look on the Darabont era and maybe they're not ready to throw out the baby with the bathwater and I would yeah. welcome that mm-hmm. um, but I'm not seeing a lot of evidence outside that guy's weird behavior yeah uh, Liz G says what does Travis have to see before he realizes a zombie is not going to morph back into a normal person is there anything that this guy that would convince this guy at this point I mean, I, I hope that, like, the reason he's doing this is because he still has a hope of return to normalcy. So it's like, you know, there's this kind of willful belief that if a zombie's not a threat and it's relatively contained, then mm-hmm. you should let it be because maybe they can shoot it full of something in a week or two and you'll get Susan back. And But if it's coming at you gnashing its teeth after having just eaten your dog... Yeah, I mean, yeah, if it's, a, take if it's it out, clear right? threat, you maybe take it out. But I can, <laughs> I can kind of see, I mean... If you criticize Travis for all of his bullshit, mm-hmm. like, again, you got to separate between the stuff you can criticize for because he just it's just stupid. And then, like, the Herschel Green circus season two, like, if if Herschel was an unacceptable character to you, then, of course, Travis must drive you crazy. If you can oh, yeah. kind of see a little bit about what what Herschel was talking about, then Travis is much more sympathetic that part of him mm-hmm. like i didn't have a part of him talk i didn't have really a problem with him talking his wife out of bashing his neighbor's head in sure not a threat yeah i you know again i wish there was a, a third path that they'd taken there but the other stuff that he 
you know, where where he sees a zombie getting up from eating a dog and he, he goes over and he tries to, you know, reason with them yeah. and lay hand. That's just stupid. Pete, what, Pete, what are you doing, man? Yeah, like Herschel. You got to eat the dog. I mean, Herschel knew better. I get it. If you want to eat the dog, eat it outside. This is my carpet, <laughs> man. Come on. I, I can get you a doggy bag. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Does he need to like go up and feel the pulse of one of these things? Oh, no. So oh, there's no pulse. That's there's, where I was building to that. Yeah. I think Travis sees the like complete a wall of inconvertible uh, collapse of civilization. Okay. That is what he needs to see to where he gives up that shit. Where the hope of even finding a cure is over. Yeah. Like, like this is so dire that you can't take a chance of leaving these zombies and just, you know, you have to confront them because like maybe we see LA go up in flames. Yeah. He's still doing this shit about, like, oh, you know, he's not hurting. Or what if he saw, like, bombs being dropped on L.A.? Yeah, no. Yeah. That would be a good indication that even the government thinks this is fucking serious. Sure. Yeah, it's something like that. But right now he's in the mode of, and he's he seemingly is vindicated. That order is being restored. So I'm yeah. not going to be too harsh with them. That's more uh, zombie grizzled zombie veteran critique and not one that's necessarily yeah, yeah. based in the real world. Okay. Moving on to Krista, um, she has a defense of Alicia. I feel like I need to defend Alicia because of the amount of hate she gets for being an annoying teenager. Maybe it's because I'm only a few years older than her, but I don't think she has been acting unreasonably at all. Nobody is telling her anything for an unspecified reason, so she literally doesn't know what the danger is. When her parents came to her boyfriend's house, they were quick to yell and drag her away uh, without properly explaining the situation of the reasoning behind it. In her eyes, they were being irrational and overprotective. I totally agree. I think Alicia's yeah. problem is people are treating her like a child. Yeah. So she's behaving with that infantile information. Uh-huh. I have high you hopes You gotta rise that, above it, Alicia. Yeah. You gotta defy their expectations of you <laughs> and be a, a sober, level-headed person here. I do love her get-up for going out in the desert. It's gonna be hot in the desert, right? No, she's wearing, like, super high daisy. I mean, she's, uh-huh. like, looking like she's going out to do Burning Man. Yeah, yeah. Why not? And she's got a sweater for nighttime when it gets yeah, cold. I know, and I'm she's just good. saying that that's funny. It is, it is. Because I've actually seen real-life people, like, you know, you go camping with different families, and you can tell, like, the people that have never been camping before. Mm, yeah. It's like, oh, you're gonna wear that out. In the- uh, okay, you're this gonna is get what you're up. hiking in. All mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Uh, that, that That's fine. I just thought it was funny. Yeah. Uh, Patience says, uh, Aaron, you read my fucking mind. I'm not sure how to scientifically justify this, but Travis is, in fact, Lori. Maybe they are <laughs> one soul inhabiting two bodies, making them poetically soulmates. Ooh. What I would love to see is Travis get eaten more gruesomely than Noah, uh, and Maddie and Liza slowly form a badass bond. Mm. I can see that. Two apocalyptic she-bears protecting their cubs. Yeah. Uh, she also brings up this moment about uh, where Maddie tells Liza that it would it would break him if um, Travis had to kill her. Uh-huh. Says on a side note, since you are men, you might not have caught that mega bitch moment in the kitchen when Maddie tossed in that I would or it would break him. She may as well have spit in Liza's face. Women would catch that super burn. What does that mean? I I don't know. I was going to ask you what that meant. I wish I had the time to to write her back and find out what. What she did meant, she say but- again? Uh, she says that that was a mega burn to Liza. Oh, that it would, like, they're talking about me. If he had to kill me, it would break him. You're saying that to his ex-wife's face. Like, he doesn't give oh, a shit about you. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, women, he, women do he doesn't have even those, think about you anymore. The, w- women do have those incredibly subtle burns that would go right over my head. That totally went In over fact, my head. In fact, it just went yep. over my head. 
so yeah, there you go. Uh, Ross in Georgia says, I think you guys are dead on, pun intended, with the predicted casualties of Alicia and Barbershop's wife. Also, I think we can bank on Liza hanging out for a good while. Throughout uh, Walking Dead lore, it just seems like there is always a medical person in the group in some sort of unofficial capacity. And Travis's ex fits that bill to a T. Yeah, we didn't really touch on that. She's like apparently one year into medical school. Yeah. So yeah, like she's seven got... Seven years before she can be a doctor or something. Yeah. Um, and I don't know whether... I, th- I thought medical... Is medical school four years, six years, or eight years? Or uh, then you've got it's the rest of your life and like all this yeah. other stuff. It yeah. never ends. So it never ends with this shit. Um, I have a friend that's a doctor. I ought to ask him, or, or I could look it up. I'm sure it's yep. widely available. But no, she has got you know they, they, they never can be a full doctor. Like if you're a full doctor in Walking Dead, you will die the next episode. Well, you're at you're probably at the hospital and you're probably being eaten. You're going yeah yeah. Uh, but you can be like a medic. You can be yep. a veterinarian. You can be a you know registered nurse. You can be a person in med school. Just a creepy guy who likes straight up anatomy. doctor. Yeah, <laughs> straight up doc. You could be a pro, a protar exactly from Beaver Island. Uh-huh. Um yeah yeah. But you can't be a full on doctor. That's that's no. a kiss of death in the show. Yeah, and he also mentions how, you know, this this tension between Travis's ex and his current love interest are going to be um, interesting and probably prominent. I totally agree. The uh, only thing more dead, more the only thing deadlier than being a doctor in The Walking Dead is a doctor who promises his 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 family that I'll never leave you again. Yep, yep. You're you're probably dead before the next commercial break. You you pull that shit. Sure, doesn't bode well for Travis. <laughs> Uh, Amanda says, I think you guys complained about this in the prior casts, but are you tired of Nick's ill-fitting old man clothes? Uh, we kind of talked about this already, but the the funny line she had here is, either way, um, is his tan windbreaker going to become the sheriff's hat of this show? <laughs> He's going to pass that on to someone. The windbreaker of, of strength and, yeah. and, and resolute determination. Don't worry, Alicia. I'll never leave you here. Have my windbreaker. <laughs> That's a pure. Gonna, you're dead, man. I'm gonna break this zombie horde like this jacket does wind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, John says I've listened to every one of your fear casts, but haven't watched a single second of the show. Interesting. We have a surprising amount of Walking Dead fans that do that. Yeah, that they gave up on the show, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna see if like if the bald move guys say it's worth watching, then that's." Then I'll, then I'll, then we're I'll go three into episodes mode. in at this point, yeah, and I guess we haven't said it's worth watching. So, <laughs> uh, but he says so. As a guy with a full time job, two German shepherds, a wife, and a two week old son, why should I or shouldn't I bother giving the show my time? Well, you shouldn't if, if you don't want to see what a potential might, gruesome death of your dog could look. I was like. going to say if if it's not too late for this to be the perfect emotionally devastating show for you. It's true. Or, or, or halfway there at the dog. If, mm-hmm. if, if someone needs a baby and a wife, then you might like. And there are not two wives it it. right now. So, du- you know, he's. Yeah. Wait, there aren't actually two wives. He makes a crack about that. But there aren't actually two wives in this house. I would say this guy, there's there's double the wives and half the babies. So if you want to roll the dice with those odds, okay. uh, then, then then go ahead. I Yeah, I mean. I watch The Walking Dead as something that I enjoy kind of like in a riff tracks kind of way. And it occasionally surprises me with moments of brilliance. I was expecting, honestly, yeah. a lot more moments of brilliance from this show. I thought this was going to be The Walking Dead done right. Turns out it's more of the same. So it's it's a laid back fun. Uh, you can you can shout at the screen and you can joke with your buddies. And mm-hmm. 
and and there are some, like I said, the 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 idea that our society, particularly in America, where we are skeptical of the authority figures and police and are prone to riot about unwarranted sh- police shootings, is yeah. handmade to make the zombie apocalypse a bitch mm-hmm. to deal with. I think that's really cool and interesting and like kind of way above the show's pay grade. Um, so, yeah, that's the kind of like, you know, every once in a while you'll have a thought provoking moment or a, a particularly good scene. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about it on our podcast. So if you just want to listen, yeah, you can do that, too. Sure, sure. Uh, Jenkins says, listen to the instant cast and it seemed you guys were full on board with Uncle Barber. I guess I'm the only one who thought that he took these turn of events all too much in stride. Yeah. A little too much in stride. Twelve hours ago, the guy was giving low cut fades. Now, after one truck ride through the city, he's a certified zombie apocalypse badass. What? So here's the thing. And if you missed the El Salvador thing, I think you're completely justified that. Yeah. But this might be the rare case where the writers are a couple of steps ahead of you. And he's lived. He, he, it's potentially that he's lived through this exact same situation. Yeah. Uh, and like that didn't even have zombies in it. So the fact that there's zombies is just gravy on his potatoes and he's ready. He's ready to clean house. I think so. You know, and there's like, I thought that's kind of interesting that George Romero has explored in some of his works that there is a segment of our society that would be so fucking stoked if something like this happened. Mm -hmm. You know, like I get to the Tobiases of the world. I get, or like the preppers, you know, it's like I've got, I can dig up these barrels of AK 47s and start shooting dudes. Yep. They're coming to take mine and try to kill my family. Like I've already got my bunker buried. Yeah. I'm good to go. Yeah, like I imagine like blizzards, like preppers probably like bliz- enjoy blizzards because it's kind of a smug satisfaction of we don't even have to go out and get the fucking <laughs> milk, eggs, and, and bread. Yeah, open we, that two-year-old is, thing of eggs. Yeah, Let's we're, do we're it. snowed in for 10 days. This is just a dry run. Yep. You know, I yep. I think that there is a segment of society that actually uh, fears, prepares, and would oddly enjoy something like this happening. And, you know... Maybe the barber with his experiences in El Salvador fits into that segment. Maybe. I, I could see him being, you know, having all the knowledge and tools to deal with something like this, but reluctantly using them. Yeah. Like, I don't want this to happen, but I'm prepared for it. But I think he also did some subtle characters things there, like his daughter calling him. You're just paranoid that. Like, mm. I can imagine him, like, reading the <laughs> newspapers and, like, yep. keeping a, a world events like, it's, it's going to happen this time. It's going to just like it did in the old country. Uh-huh. It's, it's going to hell in a hand. Like he's just sitting there like holding court over breakfast sure. and ranting about. And then now it's like this. this see, <laughs> see. Yeah. So, yeah. And if you want to talk about, you know, the, this idea of like a generation gap here where uh-huh. the kids haven't seen it. They yeah. don't know what can go down. Yeah. So when it does go down, the people who have seen this stuff before should rightly feel justified. It's like my know? grandparents lived like through history the, repeating. My itself. grandparents lived through the Great Depression. Exactly. And so I in nev- two thousand eight, when never... that shit hits, starts hitting again, they're probably like, "Yep, yep, here we yeah. go again." And I always thought, like, you know, it's like they. Uh, yeah, I remember opening up a drawer. And it was like just full of fucking sugar packets or something. <laughs> and I'm like, like we'll this, need I, and I said, I'm like, this is stupid behavior. Mm-hmm. Whereas that's just optimized for when sugar is rationed and you can't get any. Yeah. Like those lessons die hard, but to the people that stood on their shoulders it seems silly and stupid and sure until it comes back around yeah scott v says i've seen the first two episodes of fear the walking dead i'm pretty much on par with you guys so far but there's one thing that's that's been disappointing me the cost of knowledge i figured this show would start out with a huge cast i figured nine to twelve people spread out between maybe two or three families which 
I think that's nine people in two we families. We have exactly nine yeah. across two families. Well, three families. Uh, then as things start to devolve, the characters two learn how the world families. works, but at a price. And then he, he kind of lays out several scenarios on like how they would gain knowledge, but at, a, at the cost of a life, mm-hmm. um, which I won't go into here. But basically says you can build tension with the knowledge that we have precisely because the characters don't yet. How many times in The Walking Dead have we all said, why didn't they do this? Because... Uh, this or that because of rule X that the characters know. Uh, they have an excuse right now to do stupid things because they don't know that it's stupid. Sure. Let's see that. And I I mean, I feel like that's what they're trying to do here with like a Travis who isn't certain that these people are dead, um, doesn't want to kill anybody. I feel like that's what they're trying to do, but for some reason it just doesn't work. It's not, it's well, not coming I'll off as what. he's learning his lesson. It's coming off as he's stubbornly refusing to learn his lesson. I think what they did, I mean, I think it's not too late for this to happen, but it seems to me that Travis maybe should have gotten his face eaten off in this episode. That that would certainly be a cost for knowledge, yeah. I mean... Nobody else would be like, okay, we need to help these people. Yeah, like, if you know going in that this is what you're doing and you're not beholden to any kind of source material like the comics and stuff... It would have been a great t- opportunity to mind fuck and get a couple people that are essentially guest starring but looking like they're the stars of the show and just gut yeah. them and have the audience kind of shitting their pants about who's going to live and who's going to survive and 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 have that like that would get Alicia caught up pretty damn quick seeing her <laughs> her mom's boyfriend getting his face eaten off by the neighbors. Uh-huh. You can't really sweep that one under the rug. But I do think, like, I will be livid um, if at least two of these people don't die before the end. Like, they can't bring Tobias back in episode six and kill him. No. Bare minimum, Barbershop's wife, like, I don't see her coming back. There's, like... Yeah, she'll be dead soon. Or missing a leg, which is, I guess, probably, you know... It's a callback to Herschel, sure. Yeah. I get it. Uh, but no, there, there, there needs to be something... And and I think there there's a couple of missed opportunities to do that to like big name characters. Yeah. And if you know like if you're shooting the first season knowing that you're gonna do that, it seems like you could structure contracts and stuff appropriately to where it wouldn't be like you have to burn a five year contract on Travis. Yeah, you would think so. So I I don't know. All right. Ed from Calgary. Um after covering the immediate breakout, not covered by the original series, what would be left in the tank for Fear of the Walking Dead season two? Perhaps some sort of military bunker, some laboratory setting. If so, what purpose do many of these characters serve? So that's a that's an interesting question, right? If they let's say they do burn this idea of the the fall of LA and the start of the outbreak, where do they go from here? Does it just become another Walking Dead where they're you know doing their thing in the desert instead of the woods of Georgia? Best case scenario, they've plotted out two or three seasons of at least an outline where they can do something interesting where. You know, because we we heard about what was it Fort Brath? Uh, where was Shane always wanting to go? Um, yeah, Rick wanted to go to CDC. Um, Shane wanted to go to the some like I don't know some some fort in in Georgia. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what because because I'm sure that whatever that spot was probably didn't hold out for a good long time. Like probably a month yeah, or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can definitely see stuff like that. We can. And that would be kind of interesting. My fear is, no, we're just going to get through this one season 
maybe next and it's just going to essentially be walking dead west coast which is that's not, not what i that's not what i want man i don't want two concurrent shows both telling me the same well, story the with different characters. i still think wandering through the wasteland of the west coast is going to be different and interesting enough than wandering through the wasteland of the woods of georgia you got different I mean, in what types way, though? of visually or is it is it going to be yes. different challenges they're facing because the visual I, difference is is underrated you know, walking through abandoned like shopping I mean, I centers so. and like industrial complexes and stuff is, and the types of people you're going to meet are going to be different. Like the the the, the so much concentration yeah. of wealth and resources in one area, you know, it's like L.A. or New York falling is going to be fundamentally different than Atlanta or Indianapolis or Cincinnati, and. Yeah, but uh, I mean, storytelling wise, like this, this idea of humans versus humans, I don't know is going to compel me a second time around. If it's completely different, I mean, I'm talking personally. I mean, maybe what if it's you have like a you. what if you have like a wealthy billionaire who, and, you know, we know this is uh, this is a I don't know if everyone knows this, but this is like a real thing that there are billionaires who have like bug out plans. Yeah. Where they've got compounds that are set up just for like civil and social unrest, so they can kind of hoard their wealth as long as possible. I want to say this was a Michael Douglas movie, maybe? I don't know. I've seen sure, this falling thing. down. No, where he not, turned not into a zombie and, and and terrorized LA. Yeah, yeah, that one. Until uh-huh. the cops finally brought him down. <laughs> I I think that could be interesting, or you know, a really hmm. f- powerful political or military figure that has been able to you know declare himself a warlord that could be a different type of zombie versus or like a what i hope it focuses more on the resistance to to the zombies and less on this idea of a lone group of survivors just doing that like like what if what if you had a a benevolent woodbury okay that you know eventually goes down i don't know like it's goes down from within or it's it's the like the last city standing against the zombie hordes. That's kind of like what it feels like where they're, you know, coincidentally at now at the walking dead. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It just seems like it could devolve into the walking dead 2.0. Yeah. And that's really not what I want. I'm looking for another take on it. Yeah. We'll see. See how it goes. Uh, Robert in Colorado. He has a couple of tangential points here. He's talking about world war Z and how, the the producers kind of fucked over the book fans. He he read in some interview somewhere that the producers said they didn't want to use the same old uh, worn tropes of shambling zombies. Want to do something new, so they made these crazy ass zombies, um, which is unfortunate because that in his mind and in my mind too is a seminal zombie novel of all time. Uh, and instead, they they betrayed it. And yeah, I he, don't. I, if they wanted, wanted to me, do that, I don't know why they licensed World War Z. Right, just tell a different like, story. Make like it, there's nothing. Pr- I actually am with the filmmakers. I thought some of the visual aspects of the zombie hordes they did were kind of interesting and cool. Okay. okay, Yeah. But don't license World War Z. That's not that story. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, He said there are 14 producers listed. That might be a problem. Mm. A, 14 producers on a movie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He said there are 14 listed on IMDb. Please mention their names with a big fuck you. I'm not going to do that, but you can do that privately in your own time, Robert. Uh, (laughs) the The other thing he brings up is about Kim Dickens' role on Deadwood. Are you, do you remember her role in Deadwood? What season was she in? He says she, I I don't know, because I never saw it, but he says she plays a world-weary prostitute that had been sold as a child by her parents to a pimp, and at one point in the show, she tells him that she's had enough after all these years, you can let me go or kill me, she doesn't care either way, 
He says it was a great character and bodes well for the character that she might create in this series. Yeah, I I mean the right that's up to the writers, isn't it? I mean, uh, are are the writers going to let her do what what the work that she's capable of doing? And that's the biggest question I have. Oh wow, that was her. She's got a completely different look in Deadwood. Huh. Of course she's also a lot younger and blonder, but and softer and curlier, but um what was the question again? Cuz I was more fixated on did I see her in Deadwood? Uh well he he's basically saying that that was a great character and it bodes well for the character she could become in this series, but that's up to the writers is my yes. is my thing. No, I think um I've seen her in really good stuff that yeah. I can immediately say that oh yes, I can see how this could translate into both a stereotypical suburban mother uh-huh. and then transitioning quite well into a steely kind of leader in a zombie apocalypse and I'm kind of excited about that. But you're you're right, we're dealing with the same core of 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 writers and and producers and the same kind of sensibilities here. Yeah. So, so we'll see how they handle it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then final email is from Hayes. It's also kind of uh, not super about episode three here, but um, he or she, I don't know what Hayes is. I've never heard that name. Might be a nickname. Uh, says in the pilot, as they're working on the grandpa in the hospital, the the one who had the windbreaker, uh, the doctors keep saying that if they can't revive this guy in 60 seconds, they have to take him to the basement. And then he mutters something like, there's so much we still don't know. Mm. Um, and the nurse, you know, even cautions him, uh, to be quiet while looking at this, this addict kid next door, mm-hmm. um, while he watches him give CPR. Mm-hmm. And so, so you get the the feeling that there's kind of a lot more going on behind the scenes here, which is another part of the show that I really liked mm-hmm. kind of the subtlety with which they handle the disparity of knowledge here between the public and the authorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he mentions you know the cop taking this this trunk full of water in the first episode, which I thought was awesome. Uh, There's doing a lot of cool things here that I think are subtle and interesting, and I hope they continue to kind of piece together that story in the next few episodes. Because mm-hmm. um, I think this family drama stuff is going to turn too much into The Walking Dead too quickly here if they don't. Yeah, I totally agree, and you know I don't. I mean, I I don't have very high hopes because we're halfway through the season and these problems would be glaringly obvious in the storyboard stage. So I go back to the theory that I don't know that these people see these problems as problems. What people don't see the problems as problems? People making The Walking Dead, the problems we're discussing. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that they see them as problems with the story. Uh, So maybe they have a bigger plan. It'd be like going to george miller and being like this mad max stuff i like what you're doing but the, the car chases all the car chases what is <laughs> an hour of the car it's, chase it's not working here, right? for me like that's who i am and george miller's like the fuck are you talking about that's what the whole thing's about i kind of feel like that's a conversation i'm having with the people making the walking dead huh they like and enjoy this aspect like my number one least favorite trope in horror is the helpless idiot victim yeah i kind of feel like they like it a lot of people do yeah. And so at that and, and I see I've been in arguments on Reddit with people who they just don't understand zombies lore. And I'm like, well, you're right. I don't. <laughs> so there is a lot of people that like this. And I could be. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like the Venn diagram. Like I'm just on the edges where I can still enjoy it, and engage with it in a different way. But I'm not really getting the wavelength that they're trying to put out here. 
I mean, ultimately, all of this stuff is subjective, right? Yeah. Like, there are things you can point to and say, this is clearly wrong because yes. it's an internal inconsistency or something yes. like that. But for the most part, when you're dealing with art, that's how I got subjective. stuck in this. I was sold on the Frank Darabont vision of The Walking Dead, which yeah. is a, uh, uh, we've got, I mean, that's the thing. Like, we've got schlocky zombie stuff all over the place. It's been almost the entirety of zombie genre to now. Yep. There's a little social commentary, but it's all schlocky. I thought this was going to be prestige, yep. serious, sober look at that. And as soon as they we got didn't rid of... get it in The Walking Dead, and now the second time around, I was thinking it again. But I, yeah, I, I like here's like, their chance. Like they got Frank out of there, and Kirkman and Nick Terra, like finally the old man's out of the room. We can have fun. Yeah, but that's not yeah. the fun I want them to have. Everyone else has had that fun. Yeah, Th- that's not the fun I want to watch. And it's weird, like when Gimple and everyone talks about the show, they talk about it like it's this other show. So yeah. I, I, I again, I might just not get it. And I mean, ultimately, you know, I, I'm still a sucker for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy it, even if it's tropey, even if it's silly at times. And it's very easy to watch, and it's fun when I'm watching it. It's just, I, I wish there was that show yeah. out there that was the prestige drama with within this genre. Right. Like for example, I thought we were getting the Game of Thrones take on fantasy we're getting the legendary journeys of Hercules. <laughs> There's a big disparity between those two things. What I'm saying is like what I thought they were going for and what we're yeah, getting. There's yeah. nothing wrong with the legendary journeys of Hercules. It's just not. The it's other thing. not what yeah. I was expecting. And like, if I'm a hardcore fantasy fan, I might be watching it just because there's nothing else on that's scratching that itch. Mm-hmm. But if, if it was on the air, like there's still room to make that walking dead. Yeah. You don't even have to call it The Walking Dead. Like, Get Danny Boyle in here, man. Get fucking Danny mm. Boyle. But you know, Z Nation ran the other way with it. Oh, yeah. There's still room to run the other way, and yeah. I think that that could be a... Did you know that they're in talks with George Martin to have a zombie version of George Martin signing uh, copies of Game of Thrones within Z Nation? Like, as a guest appearance? I don't think it's that <laughs> much of a talk. He was in Sharknado 3. Oh, Perfect. There you go. Watching he's willing to do watching the, a movie called The Shark Wedding. Yeah. Where a giant shark spoiler alert, <laughs> a giant shark flew through the screen and ate his head off. I didn't the see real George Sharknado Martin. 3, but I that's amazing. I don't think a lot of money needs cuz that's the thing yeah. I love about George Martin. Like he gets off. I mean, he is a he is a first and foremost a science fiction fantasy nerd and fan. Yeah. He was going to the cons as a teenager before they were cool and before they were big glamorous things and before he was famous for writing that's awesome man good for him so like yeah you blow up and you still do this it wouldn't take it wouldn't take much at me to get my head bit off in sharknado 4 oh yeah i'd play pay for my own fucking plane ticket out there there you go uh so yeah i i i I like that about george all right well that's it for emails all right Um, why don't you take us out if you'd like to send us more feedback you can do so at the watching dead about i'm sorry not the watching dead. No, that just won't a generic forum. Anywhere. Generic forum watching dead at baldmove.com. You can also get on our forums at forums.baldmove.com. You can find all of our stuff online at baldmove.com. We're doing a lot of shows. If you're only familiar with The Walking Dead or our Fear the Walking Dead coverage, we're about to start off The Leftovers. Mm-hmm. We're about to start off uh, Fargo. If you want a more serious, dramatic, uh, take on the world and Quir- then, quirky drama and then it's we're not too far away from wrapping back around to classic walking dead yeah 
so we've got a bunch of stuff. And, you know, we talked about Game of Thrones. We covered that. Breaking Bad, we got all that. We're about to polish off complete coverage of that show. If you like good television and occasionally schlocky television, we got you covered at baldmove.com. All right, cool. Well, that's it for the episode. See everybody next week right after the episode for our instant cast. Yep. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya. 